Oh, I've seen some scripts I know the words weren't spelled right. There was hardly any commas in it at all. So I don't think that's too important. Hey, you want to get on the train here or you want to ruin another take, huh? It's too cerebral. We're trying to make a movie here, not a film. Man, I don't drop character till I've done a DVD commentary. You want to eat the writer? Be my guest. That will leave you to explain how else your character is supposed to get to Bremen. Welcome back to another episode of the In the Mouth of Dorkness Chatcast. Uh, today, we are going to be speaking with Jeremy Gardner and Christian Stella, independent filmmakers uh, whose film Something Else just premiered at Tribeca on the midnight schedule. Uh, to rave reviews, I hear, I certainly enjoyed it. Welcome along to the podcast, fellas. Hello. Thanks for having us. Oh. Sultry. Yeah. <laughs> you put your sexy voice back on. Thank you. I got a face <laughs> for radio, baby. <laughs> um, so, you know, this is not the first time that we've talked. Uh, you know, Christian uh, was on the podcast way back in the day uh, talking about his experience working with you on the battery. He was mostly kind to you and very appreciative, I guess, of his experience <laughs> there. Yeah, he, yeah um, he told me he went on the podcast after he recorded it, so I didn't even know that it was happening. That's his way of being able to talk shit about me without me having a say. I knew if I invited him on that uh, it would just be like two days of like trying to set it up and like things would go wrong and like it would be weird. I mean, it would just be awkward. And, and thankfully, this time around, everything went smooth. Oh, yeah. I don't know what you mean, Christian. Everything has been great so far. This has been a wonderful, easy thing to schedule and make happen. Uh, but then we talked last year uh, at the Chattanooga Film Festival where you guys were about to start production on something else. And here we are a year later and you've got it back in the festival circuit. What's what's the feeling like uh, going to Tribeca this time around? How was that for you? Well, we still we still hold our stance on eating ass. That's for sure. Oh, fucking All right. right. No, that's you. it. I'm not going to do that anymore. But uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it's uh, it's been amazing. I think when we when we first sat down at, at Chattanooga, obviously, I think everyone had at least a couple of Kool-Aid pitchers full of whiskey. And um, and we weren't actually really totally convinced that we were actually going to be able to make this movie. So um, so the fact that here we are a year later and um, and we just world premiered it is it's pretty awesome. It's, it's been amazing. Yeah, I can remember, like, we were in that interview, and I was like, yeah, but I bet the funding's going to fall through. You know, like, <laughs> something's, something's going to go wrong, because, it, it, I mean, it had been, like, seven years we were trying to get this made, and it just did not feel real. Even as we announced it, it still didn't feel real. And then it all went perfectly as planned. Oh, yeah, it just, it just flowed right out of it. But there was something about how easy it went that until the day we were painting uh, an old house from the 1800s. I was like, Christian, I think this is actually happening. I think we might be, <laughs> I think we might be doing this, but, but, but it's because every other time that it seemed like this movie might go, it was constant notes and meetings. And then, and then it just would slowly fizzle. And then this time Dave Lawson was like, Oh no, it's happening. And we were like, yeah, but is it? He goes, Oh yeah, it's happening. And then suddenly we were shooting. So talk about that relationship a little bit. You know, it did take a long time for you guys to get to this movie. Uh, what was the key ingredient? Is, was it rustic films? Uh, was it something else? Like, what got you to making something the movie? Else. Yes. Oh. Uh, pun intended. Oh. Yes, pun intended. Oh, Brad. Shut up. Oh, <laughs> God. You know, I think, I think the thing was, that when, we, when we made the battery, we didn't know any single human soul in the industry you know, we just did it. 
on our own. We did it because we were fans and we and we we learned from listening to other filmmakers and, and, and voraciously devouring other people's stories of how they got things made and we felt like we could do it. But we had to really like trial by fire of of how we were gonna get to know the the business. But then when we, you know, it, it really speaks to how important film festivals are because we met Justin and Aaron uh, Benson and Moorhead uh, at the Imagine Film Festival in Amsterdam. And then hung out with them for a longer period of time in Brazil at another festival. And then from the, that interaction, you know, they, they asked me to be in spring. And then they asked me what I was working on. And then I sent them a script. And then, you know, once they got to the point where they had a little bit of weight to throw around, they, instead of, you know, instead of just taking it and running with it, they turned around and said, hey, remember that great script that we read? Like, let's, let's help get that made. And that's where Dave came along. And Dave is Dave is the quiet genius behind the two loud mouths that are Justin Benson <laughs> and Aaron Moorhead. Even though Dave is way more insane, Dave, you know, Dave has produced all of their movies. Dave is just the best fucking dude in the world. I said, I, I told him at the end of this film, I said, you know, when you get to my age, you don't ever want to have to make a new friend. I'm happy. Make, I'm happy making acquaintances, you know, but I'm happy being like, yeah. Oh, I haven't seen you since, but like a friend is somebody that you like will move their washing machine if they ask you to. And I don't want <laughs> any more of those friends. Like I don't, I don't, I have enough. I don't want that. And then I was like, God damn it, Dave, I'll move your washing machine whenever you want me to. <laughs> um, so yeah, like, he's just amazing. Yeah. We had that with Adam on the battery mm-hmm. and now Dave on this. These are the two new friends we've made in, in 15 years. Oh, you guys are really branching out, right? Good for you, but you know, but you know, the the great thing about you know Rustic, those those three guys, is that they love the script. They they've told me for years that they love the script. And what's amazing is that when they got, not only did they get the funding to get this movie made, but they made sure that we had final cut because they said this this movie's not going to be interesting if it's not your weirdness. So we want to make sure that you can fight for things that you feel very passionate about and you don't have to you don't have to change them if you don't want to. And we and you know we went through rounds of notes where there were things that in every round that they were like, ah, "I don't know, you sure you want to keep that? You sure you don't want to cut that?" But the, you know, but but they knew that that it was important that we be able to say, "No, no, no, this is our voice. This is this weirdness is important to us, and that is why it feels like our movie at the end of the day, because they fought for it. They might regret it now, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, there was... I mean, there was stuff on set where, where we shot things in, like, one shot, but we were going to shoot coverage, and then Dave would come up and be like, you're going to let that play in that one shot, right? Like, you're going to do basically what we did on the battery, and we are like, sure, Can I we? guess. Yeah, <laughs> like... And That's what we wanted, but we were going to pretend that we were going to do coverage for you guys. But hey, yeah, he was he was all for that kind of like weird risk taking that we have, especially with shots. Well, I guess I'm a little bit curious then, you know, because you guys are, I think, officially Rustic's first film. Did you feel pressure for like yourselves to be something in particular to fit into that? Or did, did they help take that pressure off of you? Did we feel it or do we still to this moment feel it? I feel it. <laughs> I, I feel it. No, I, you know, I mean, like true talk, I had a, actually I, uh, I texted Dave last night because I, you know, I went to we went to Tribeca. We had this whirlwind where we felt like, you know, we felt like we were the kings of the world. And then I came back and I was bartending. 
Uh, yeah. And then someone was like, hey, Jeremy, the trash can in the men's room is looking really nasty. Can you go in there oh, and, like, man. fix it? And I'm, like, shoving garbage down into a trash can. And then I go to the stall and I text Dave. I'm like, Dave, this is a really hard transition back back from being a, a star to shoving this trash down. And um, and I, and he was like, baby, we love you. We love you. And I was like, I just I, – I, the interesting thing is on the battery, we had no one to – we had no one to to report to. We didn't have to make anybody proud except our, ourselves. And with this one, it's like we're proud of the movie, but then when you get to the end of it, you go, "Oh shit!" But we have investors, and we have we have these three guys who have made a name for themselves, and they chose to use that cachet to let us make our movie. And if it, if it fails, then their first like movie right out of the gate as a new company. It, is a flop and that's really really which terrifying which in 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 dave's res- like like respect it's like he just keeps saying every day like i don't give a shit what happens with this movie i love this movie yeah. and you guys did an amazing job like he's so supportive oh yeah he's like if this makes no doesn't make a dollar i will always be proud to have worked on it and that it's our first movie but they have they have a pretty great pedigree as far as the companies that they've released movies under um, yeah. themselves. And so it's like, for us, we're just like, we're like biting our nails right now, waiting and hoping that this movie gets a release. Right, because we were cut, they cut us out of the uh, the sales process because it's not our movie, mm. right? We it's not, it's not up to us. We have a sales agent and they're doing their job and they're, they're trying to find the best deal. But I'm like... Um, Dave, so is it going to sell? And he goes, just walk the walk and talk the talk and promote the movie and do your job and let us worry about the the release over here. It's not your business. You did your job. So fuck him. It's really hard to just let that go. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like that's like, that's got, what a, what a, like, what a beautiful endorsement of yourselves as artists to have that vote of confidence put in you. But then also terrifying right like wait what are you gonna do with this movie what's gonna happen (laughs) no i mean i told him yesterday i was like dave maybe i should have just written like a a, i don't know like a heist movie or something (laughs) like with a like a a ghost heist where like people are trying to steal a ghost or something i don't know like it's like oceans ghosts 11 or something i I, it's called 13 ghosts it's called oceans ghost 11 13 and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be great Uh, it stars matthew lillard the problem is i'm not gonna be able to get the money to make that because we made a romantic monster movie (laughs) well let's take it from there then um romantic monster movie yes yeah Uh, yeah. i certainly responded well to it i know billy did um you know you talked a little bit about it when you were on the show last time, but you couldn't talk too much. So just take us to, you know, the origins of this story. Like, where, where did it come from? Oh, Christian, you know, we did so much press of it, Tribeca. Like, don't you just kind of want to lie just because we've told the same stories over and over again? Like, just make something up. Uh, Do it. No, 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 no. Fuck that. No, I want truth. I want same repetitive truth. I don't care about truth. I want to feel. I don't things. care about their experience. This is my podcast time. Well, I get. Okay, so the the thing about me is the reason I am not 
further than I probably should be at this point is because I, I fucking can't figure out how to write like it's my job. So I always, I always like have an idea that just percolates for a long time and then slowly starts to come together. Like with the battery, it was, it was two guys walking down a road and then I started thinking about how we could do it for cheap. And then it's, then it became, okay, well, what's, you know, what's the underlying theme here? And it, it's like friendship and what, what it means when you're stuck with somebody that you don't love, but you have to depend on them. And with this one, I had this image of a couch in front of a door. I could not shake it for some reason. So I, I actually threw out this experiment to Christian. I was like, bro, bro, hear me out. Check this out. I wrote these three pages. I'm going to send them to you. You just add three more pages to it. <laughs> and I won't know where you're taking the story and then send it back and I'll write three more pages. And then once we got to page nine and I sent it back to him, he quit. <laughs> I, cu I, couldn't, I couldn't handle it because what happened was Everything we were writing was, it was really, really good, but it was all, uh, it was all action. Uh, you know, it was all like uh, just description. Yeah, it was all set up in description. And then all of a sudden, um, Shane, the cop that Justin Benson plays in the movie, he like showed up in, in Jeremy's uh, third round and uh, he started talking in all redneck dialect. Start talking like this and yeah. all that. So it was all like, this. you know, what, what, where is being come around your house? Oh, come on now. That's a bear now. You know it's a black bear. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, Jeremy, I can't write rednecks. I'm sorry. And most of that did not, I mean, most of that did not survive into the final movie at all. But in, on the page in the original version, it was like highly dialect. And I was like, I can't do this. Yeah, he doesn't like that I write. Like I write with ain'ts and y'alls and, and stuff like that in my dialogue because I'm a fucking redneck. But anyway, so he quit. But I had these nine pages and, um, and, I, and I couldn't shake the idea. And at the time, I was in a, a very, very long uh, relationship. And I was thinking a lot about what compromise in a relationship and, and compromise is important in any relationship, but like what happens when one person realizes that they're giving up way more than the other person to be in that relationship. And so that I, I started like going down that, that Avenue of, of, you know, thinking back on the early days of a, a relationship with rose colored glasses and how, how sweet it was. And then you, you know, you're like, you get to the point where every time you do something, the other person's doing it because, they're obligated to. Um, and so that was kind of fell into this through line with, well, why is that couch in front of the door? So I, okay, well, there's a couch in front of the door. Something's attacking the house. And then those two like narratives started to line up and it became this, uh, a monster movie about long-term commitment. Duh. And it's a good thing I quit because the movie got so personal. Like it couldn't have existed if we had, continued on yeah no i mean that was honestly i never expected you to go to round three what i wanted <laughs> what i wanted what i wanted was like uh you know it's like if somebody hands you a slip and it says there was a lizard and the night was black i go ooh, well, i can i can finish that there's a lizard and the <laughs> night was black and then you go on i just needed like like one moment of i could never possibly imagine whatever Christian's going to write. And so that threw me in a direction that I, I, I wasn't expecting. Cause I can, you can get really bogged down in these ideas you have and trying to make them all work. But if somebody mm -hmm. just like throws you for a loop, like I remember, I think Christian in Christian's first three pages, he runs downstairs and he gets a 
a like deer steak out of a giant, like a giant stand-up freezer. And the, the freezer played a huge role yeah. in the original <laughs> script. And we the, shot some of it too. Yeah, we, we bought a giant freezer that we cut out. Actually, the uh, the sex scene with uh, Abby and Hank, she's sitting on that freezer that never actually came into play in the movie. But there were like seven, <laughs> there were like seven moments in the movie. And especially there was a moment where a second monster was killed and put in that freezer. <laughs> But oh, all, shit. Yeah, but all of that got, you know, that's the thing about it is you, you write and you write and you write and then you realize, oh, I have something here if I just cut out all the nonsense and you whittle it down to what's what's important. Like, for instance, the battery, the battery started with Ben, Mickey and Duncan. There was a <laughs> third person in the battery <laughs> and the term battery means pitcher and catcher it is a it is right. a two-hander and yet it took me a year to realize <laughs> that i needed to cut out this third guy <laughs> so you know I, I, it's a process i'm not good at i'm not good at winnowing it down to like a three-month job yeah i i think it's fascinating to hear you uh describe sort of casting about for an external inspiration you know because once you get into the movie i mean the, my experience as a viewer right is i'm suddenly transported into what feels like a very personal exploration of you know your culpability in a relationship that doesn't work the way that it's supposed to right i i, I think the i think that What's frustrating, like right now I have a notebook that's got 60 pages of, of dialogue in it, but I, I have a hard, I'm, it's very easy for me to go, like right now, for instance, I'm writing about uh, absent fathers and what, what it's like for siblings to realize that they all have different ideas of what their dad was. Hmm. Um, and that's, and then I could write, I could write a hundred pages about that, but it's not, that doesn't make it a plot. That doesn't make it a movie. Then the hard part is focusing all those ideas into a narrative that is, that feels, you know, like a, like a rewarding story experience over 90 minutes. That is, I'm not good at that. I could write Kevin Smith yakety yak fucking talking forever if I wanted to. (laughs) So how did you whittle it? How did you find the film that ultimately became something else? Uh, you know, it's like you realize, oh, okay, it, it all comes from like weird, like, okay, oh, okay, he's on a couch in front of the door. Okay, there, this is a long-term relationship. Okay, well, she's gone. All right, okay, she left a note. All right, so she left a note. Okay, so where'd she go? Um, and then, okay, d- does anybody believe him that this thing is happening? And then you, I just, then you, I'll, I'll write like a scene where, uh, her brother-in-law comes over, and I'll write that twenty different times until I hit on something that pushes you into the next thing where you realize, Oh, that's his supposed to be his brother-in-law, but it's, but you know, he never married, he, they never got married. And so, Oh, okay, well that'll take me into this next thing. And then he's, he's getting the mail and he goes, Hey, you know, the, the bills are all piling up and you realize, Oh, like she's, you know, she kind of takes the responsibility in the relationship. And so it just, it just, it really is so organic that it's fucking frustrating that I can't turn it into an actual process. I, I think the other thing that's like really weird as far as Jeremy's scripts is that his scripts are always really, really good. Um, and they have like a good balance between um, like character drama and like commercialism. Mm-hmm. And then when we go to make the movie, like I would say like half the commercial stuff ends up going away due to budgetary constraints or we, in the editing room. Like, so the final movie that you see like feels even more personal than the original script because some of the commercial stuff 
is 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 gone now. Um, and that and that comes from number one. It, it comes from our 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 importance. We put way more importance on on making the characters feel real and the relationships feel feel organic. But it also it's like. There is a scene without too many spoilers. The um, the the bear trap scene. Mm. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's not a scene in the movie, really. But originally, that was a full blown Jaws sequence. It oh, was man. it was outside on the porch. The chain was going out into the darkness like it was an ocean, and it was you know the chain was moving across the deck, and it was very much like the barrel scene in Jaws. And it was like you know what. There's a hole in the door. Let's just thread the chain through it and like figure out how to do this because we have no time, no money, and it's really more about this guy. Yeah, I I edited that scene like eight times. That like was that was our weeks, worst weeks of that scene. That was the hardest scene. To cut. And then now it's just like it just it happens cuts. and it goes. It's yeah. it done. Doesn't matter. And it's the best version that I've seen. It was like the battery. We made a zombie movie, and the most stuff that was cut out of the battery was zombies. <laughs> we just kept cutting zombies out until it was just guys. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and at, at the core of the movie is about Hank and Abby, and I don't think there's a single moment with Abby that was cut out of the final movie. Right, yeah, it comes down to what's important. You still want it to feel fun and engaging for people who want a monster movie, but we're also trying to say that this this isn't as important to us as this relationship, and either you're on board or you're not. I have to imagine that that's part of what like Justin and Aaron and Dave gravitate to in your work. I mean, because that's, I, in you know, I love spring spring is a heart movie for me, but I mean, to, in, in my head, that's spring down to a T, right? It's, it starts out with the promise of a monster movie, but at the end of the day, it's, it's just a love story. It was, isn't it, isn't it fucking nuts that like Jeremy finished this script like the same fucking week that they finished the script for spring. Yeah, it's very strange. When we met them, it was because the battery and resolution were on the festival circuit. And the battery and the resolution are about two guys and, and about friendship. It's just two very micro budget genre movies where the genre is at the fringes and it's about like their relationship. And so as we became friends and I got to send them my script and I read Spring, and I sent them something else. I was like, did we also both write a love story that's a fucking monster movie? Like, what is happening here? So, like, our sensibilities were very clearly in line. I mean, Justin is a far more disciplined and 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 imaginative writer. Like, I'm like, oh, guy loses girl, monster attacks. He's He creates entire mythologies, and I kind of want to punch him sometimes. And I, I <laughs> But I pick his brain, and he's incredibly generous with, with how he, he works and writes, but... But but on the whole, it's always about setting real people in unreal situations, which is my favorite thing about movies, and and it it, it clearly lines up with with what they do. But too. it's also it's also a testament to them that like they let this be the first movie that they produced outside of themselves, and it is covering a lot of the same stuff that Spring covered, like. Thank God that like they were they were able to see the differences like that. They go. It's not the same as spring. Right. They didn't say we can't make that because it's too much like this. And, you know, uh, another thing is, like, I mean, I, I love them to death. They're amazing people outside of producers and, and writers and creators. But like we had rounds of notes where they were just like, that's not funny. 
that's not funny. Mm-hmm. And then I said, remember that line in spring? I thought that was fucking dumb, but you thought it was funny and you left it in there. And I was like, this is, <laughs> this comes down to sensibility. I was like, if you think it's going to hurt the chances of the movie, but if you don't think it's funny, that's okay. Like uh, we do. That's the, that's where the, that's where the personalities of, of who Christian and I are and Justin and Aaron are differ in a way that makes these two movies, even though on the surface they feel of us, you know, akin to each other, not the same thing. You can watch spring and you can watch something else and you are getting two different movies, even though uh, you can reduce them to love and monsters. And also on one last note on that, um, uh, our monster's tail is the tail from spring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, shit. Really? Both both monsters have the same tail. Easter egg. It's because Aaron, Aaron added a tail to our monster in post, and he was like, well, I got this tail from spring sitting here. Let's add it. That's awesome. I love that. Um, but I like this idea of, you know, they at the end of the day, you know, they have their sensibilities. You have your sensibilities. Is there something in the film that they challenged you on and you said – yes to because you thought that was like was there something that they contributed that you weren't expecting or 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 vice versa where you had to like just say no uh that's a great question i I think right off the top of my head i would just say mostly their challenge continued to be tighten 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 Mm. to the point where like i mean christian and i had some like drunken like like moments where we're like, well, if we fucking keep cutting everything out, then no, it's like it's gonna be an eighty-one minute nothingness. And it is eighty-one minutes. It's long. eighty-three minutes. Well, I it's think, eighty-three but. with credits. It's eighty-one minutes before credits. But but you know, after we got over that, they weren't wrong because nothing we trimmed out of those sequences that they really wanted us to tighten in the end mattered. It would have slowed it down. And this movie is already for eighty you know, 83 minutes, it's, it's languorous. It takes its time. It, it, you know, it, 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 it breathes and it was breathing a whole lot more before. Mm. So I I do love that. They just kept saying, it's your movie, but we feel like this 11 minute dinner party could be eight minutes. And it's like, you know what? They're right. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel lost to us. The one thing that we did, (laughs) the, the most absurd flag we planted in this entire movie. I don't know if you remember, but there's a scene when Henry Zabrowski's character Wade is introduced in the bar early on where there is a super close-up of him eating a boiled peanut uh-huh. <laughs> and, he, and he kind of chokes on it a little bit. And we thought that was the fucking funniest thing we'd ever seen in our lives. And through five rounds of notes, Justin and Aaron and all of the investors and producers, except for except for Dave, Dave was on our side. Yeah, every, <laughs> fucking Dave. But everybody else was like, "You gotta cut that fucking close up of the peanut shot. It, it looks out of place. It's clearly like, oh, look at this fat slobbery guy doing." And I was like, "You guys don't get it." I was like, "We've been in a room for seven months, and every time it happens, we still laugh." And through by, by around the fifth, right before we locked the final cut. Our last note from them was, so it seems like you're not going to cut that peanut shot. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and, and the stupidest thing about that whole scenario is the fact that uh, it it is like a different shot than any of the other shots in that scene. So it's like, I get it. I get what their problem was. Yeah, it's jarring. And But it we still find it funny. So we're like, fuck it. It's ours. Yeah, it's it's it, it's part of like our weird 
charm, which may not be charming to some people. I remember there's a scene... <laughs> There's a scene in uh, one of the first movies we made uh, when, before, way back when we were just out of high school uh, called The Robert Cake. But there's a scene, there's an exposition scene where these two people are sitting on a bench and they're talking about what might be happening with this uh, voodoo <laughs> situation. This, this. <laughs> but anyway, and then right at the end of the scene, a payphone near them starts ringing and it rings and it rings and it rings and then it just cuts. <laughs> like, and no, they're all no staring purpose. at the phone and it just cuts. And we were like, that's hilarious. The phone that doesn't matter. And like, we just, we didn't have it. We didn't have to fight for that. So it's interesting to like take our weird stuff and have to be like, oh no, no, it's funny because it's weird and, and actually have to fight for it. It's almost like too, like, I feel like maybe in this whole process, we had so many people against this one peanut eating shot that like we could we could leave it in the movie and have it in our back pocket in case they asked us to cut something really important. And then we'd go, all right, we'll cut the peanuts. Yeah, exactly. Like we had it. We had that as like an option. Um, and then we never we never did that either. They did ask us to trim down all of the super sweet uh, flashbacks, like the tire swing and the hammock and stuff. And and they, they were right that they that they were that we really like lovingly gazed on them. We were just so in love with that, you know, Bria's performance and, and her looks that it was very hard for us to be like, why should we cut any of this? Look at her. She's on a tire swing. She's happy. Like, let's just like, let it go for 29 minutes. <laughs> no, but we did, you know, that was one other thing was, was trim down the, the, the flashbacks because, you know, at some point people get it. It he was, misses her. It, it was like, it was a really weird thing. Cause we've never worked with like, collaborators like this before we have final cut we knew we had final cut but they would usually just say hey try this and we'd be like fuck that we don't want to try that we don't want to try that and then we try it and go yeah it's better yeah remember I, I remember there was one moment where aaron uh sent us he's like hey i just i took a shot at trimming down this this dinner scene uh and and then i, I was like you motherfucker you're gonna edit my shit and i watched it, i was like it's pretty good right christian yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah it's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're really good filmmakers. They they do have very, very, very good opinions. Oops. Yeah. No, it's great. But it's great that they that they they give us the 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 rain to fight it and then trust that either we will plant our flag or realize that they're right. And that's that's all you want. You don't you don't want to get into a fight where you go, you don't know what you're talking about. What you want is to say, you might be you might know what you're talking about, but it might not line up with our sensibilities. And at some point we come back to the middle and it and now that is why we have made the greatest film ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, film obviously is a collaborative uh, experience. But for you guys, you have to align yourselves of what the two of you want something else to be so that you can have these conversations. How, how did I mean, how do you guys work so that you are of one mind? Uh uh, <laughs> that's the end of this podcast. No, it's funny because I think that it evolved as we were making the movie. I think uh, it was weird. Like I, I think we w we went into it. We had a very uh, clear cut plan because we spent like a month doing shot lists and talking about the shots, and then discovering which equipment we couldn't get, uh, and like changing the shots, and then it all goes out the window um, when you make it. But when it when it starts out, it's and I feel bad. I, I've said this before, but like Christian is Christian has had to do every single technical thing on everything we've made, uh, <laughs> uh, because I'm like, well, I, you know, I 
I'll catch a snake if you want me to, but I don't know how I don't know how to do sound. I'm just a country lawyer with so, a second grade education. That's it. So Christian has to learn it all. And so after we finally get a movie made, Christian has to do all that. And then I go, well, I guess I'll just go write a script. And Christian's a great writer in his own right, but he never gets time to write because while he's finishing all of the technical shit at the end of our movies, I'm writing the next one. Um, <laughs> so it's a great, it's a great racket I've figured out. But um, it's interesting because I, I'm terrified of Christian to read a script when I'm done. But then when he finally does, he's usually really, really sweet about it because our sensibilities don't differ that much. Like he would always be like less monster, more love, less zombies, more friendship. But overall, he he whittle he finds a way to whittle down the excesses. Right there was uh, the the character of Jane was a much bigger a much bigger role in the script. Um, she was a uh, the bartender, the, the temptation, uh, the temptation of Hank to mm. to to do something with that with the bartender, and he was like, it doesn't. It's making Hank look like an asshole, and you know, it's it's just not important. And then. Actually, even after that, Taylor, who played the role, there was a little bit more, and she was like, "You just need to cut me out. Like it's taking it's taking mm. away from the movie." Mm. So, but that was something I couldn't get around. Was I liked the idea that because I've I've been a bartender for twelve years, and I, you know I've been in long relationships where you go, you know what, I got to go to work today, but the hostess is really cute, and at least I'll just be able mm. to flirt for a while and like feel like I'm not I'm not in this relationship where I'm constantly at odds, and that mm. was a really interesting dynamic to me but they were right it didn't matter um so when then then when it comes down to is once we get into uh you know we're gonna make this movie it's great because i i can trust christian with everything technical we talk about the shot what we want it to look like and then i can talk to the actors and then when we say action once we say cut if i'm happy with the performance i, I turn to christian and he goes it looked like looked great you know it was in focus color was great like it's fine then i know we can move on because i'm happy with the acting and he's happy with the shot and so it's not necessarily we do we pre-direct and then and then we make sure that each of us is happy with our own little things and if christian ever comes over to me and he goes you're you're talking like a, you're talking way too rednecky right now i go oh shit christian has an <laughs> acting note well, i gotta st- that, we, yeah we gotta, we gotta go again we gotta go again but then we also had like weird like on this movie, we had like an extra weird step, which was that we shot the movie in 8K. Hmm. So in the editing stage, we had such an ability to reframe the shot. It's amazing. Oh, interesting. That it became like a whole nother round of making the movie again. And we knew that going in is that like, but we would forget it. We'd be like, should we, uh, should we set up for a close up? We go, oh no, we'll just fucking punch in for a close up later on if we want to, because we had all of this extra information. Yeah. So there's some, right. there's some scenes in that movie where like, it, it'll cut back and forth between two characters and it's never the same shot mm-hmm. ever because it's like, it's like slowly getting closer to the other person every time it cuts and it's like we're doing like weird reframing but we didn't have to do more setups yeah and it's just because we shot an 8k and it's like fuck like i guess we should use the fucking 8k we have it we projected it in 2k at tribeca film festival 
Oh, no kidding. So it's just a shame that we couldn't finish an 8K for the moon festival of the <laughs> intergalactic <laughs> alien people who have 8K fucking theaters. Yeah, we fi- I finished we, we finished the movie in 4K. Uh, it's probably going to play most festivals at 2K, though. Like, the yeah. first time anyone's going to ever see it in 4K is if it gets released on, like, a fucking streaming platform in 4K on a TV that's small anyway, and who gives a shit? And I want to make sure everybody knows that we are against 3K. We are very much against <laughs> Yeah. No KKK in this town. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. That's that's a definitely a good opinion to have. Um, you know, speaking of the technical stuff, Christian, the movie fucking looks gorgeous. Cool. You talk um, to him about that. I'm going to go get him a beer while you talk about that. He's te- going to play bartender at his bar right now. That's uh-huh. <laughs> Sweet man, sweet man. The bar's no, closed. Um, I, you know, it's you know when we talked, um, you know, two years ago, you know, we talked about the battery and you reading the the fucking manual for the camera on oh, the way fuck. to the shoot, so that you were like straight to go. And you know, I was sitting on my couch, and I, I know watching this on the television is not an optimal way, but man, like it fucking looks good. You guys did a good job. This is this was this was a shit show for me. Because, um, I mean, it's 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 eight K, it's eight K raw camera that we shot on that oh, um, that they shot like Guardians of the Galaxy two on. Um, I have shot on uh, Canon like SLRs and so on for five right. uh, for 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 the battery, and I was like, I'm gonna look like a fucking idiot on this set <laughs> i tried to hire a a code dp i tried to like do all this stuff and then at some point i just went fuck I, I i gotta just jump in right but then once we started filming i realized i had a my crew and the crew does everything like as far as op, like they do all the 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 intricacies of the camera. Like they know the menus. They know how right. they know how to they know where the on button is. And it's like I you know, and in fact, like in a weird way, I was sort of kind of protect. Like the, one of their jobs was that uh, because all the crew, all the uh, the camera equipment was uh, lent to us by uh, FSU Film School. Oh man! Wow. And my crew were uh, FSU graduates. Hmm. So it, one of their jobs was from the film school was to like make sure that I didn't touch the camera too much. <laughs> so in a way I was like, well, I just have to go back to the basics and I, I, I know how to shoot, you know, I know how a camera works. I know how to, I, you know, I know what these different things are. Um, if I don't necessarily know where on the menu it is, uh, fine. But then I, any, it didn't matter anyway because I spent like a month researching that camera and figuring out the best settings and all of this other stuff um, to make sure that we did it right. Uh, and uh, I, it, it was fun, I think. I don't know. It wasn't fun to wear it. It weighed, it was 50 pounds. I had to wear it on my back. It was, it was fucking stupid. Oh, it was so funny to see him in that rig. It was he, like, he, he was like Krang. Like in... <laughs> Like inside, but if if the if the if the body that held Krang was not a body, if he had to hold the body up, it's. I mean, the tripod weighed ninety pounds. It was stupid. <sighs> Do I get any points for Krang references? Yeah, no, no Krang was solid, hundred percent. That yeah. killed me. Um, but that's got that's what a like what a what a different spot to work in. I mean, like I, I appreciate you saying that you kind of have to go back to basics in that spot to find, I guess, sort of your comfort zone working with something new, but. 
Well, like, I mean, one can of the you weird do thing- that when you have a team? Yeah. I mean, well, I, I mean, it is weird because you have to you have to at some point go. I am the boss of this team, and um, I was told by a lot of people not to shoot the movie in eight K. Um, but the problem was that the camera, the actual settings on the camera, if you don't shoot in 8K, you don't actually get the full size of the camera's sensor. Right. Um, it crops. And we shoot so wide. I'm like, right. why, would I, why would I want to crop it? And they were like, yeah, but it's bigger than 35 millimeter film. They were like, you don't want to shoot at 8K because it's bigger than 35 millimeter film. And I was like, yeah, you know what else is bigger than 35 millimeter film? 70 millimeter film. 36 millimeter. No, I'm like (laughs) 70 millimeter IMAX. I was like, these things are all bigger than 35 millimeter film. And why, why, why in the hell would you not want to be bigger? Right. Why wouldn't you want more information to work with? So I had when it comes time to work. Yeah. So like my whole crew, they were like, we've never worked on these settings before because they, 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 they didn't want us to because it's not oh, 35 millimeter. And I was like, that's exactly why I want to do it. The only problem that I had, um, which was you can't really get around it right now with those cameras, is um, that the lenses are all brand new because it's so big that the uh, old film lenses are, are too small for that camera. So you don't get like that kind of characteristic of like a good old film lens. Like the new new lenses are just like they're very clinical. They're very clean. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I wish I could have some like dirtier, uglier lenses that like that flare in the sun and all that stuff. And it, that I didn't really have that. So are those the two big arguments against uh, you know shooting in AK right now? Is the you know not not being able to be in 35 millimeter and then also not having the variety of lenses. Like what was their real argument for saying, don't do this? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's the lens, the lens choices are terrible. There's like really only like, like a handful of lenses that you can get. And then the other one is, um, that they just do so much training. It's everything. Uh, even like the distance for focusing and, and all mm. these things that they do, right. it's all based on 35 millimeter. And um, I just think I didn't, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm young, I'm self-taught. I didn't come up in film. I don't give a shit if mm. it's different than 35 millimeter. I just want, if I'm going to use a camera, I'm going to get the best out of it that I can use. And, but those guys were, I mean, they were great. Like they, they adapted very quickly and they, Oh yeah, no, and they, they were like, okay, fuck, this is new. Let's do it. I mean, they hadn't grown their man necks in yet. Um, <laughs> they were all 22 years old, which, all my which, 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 you know, when Bria Grant got to the set, she was like, Oh, they're sweet. They don't even have their man necks yet. So, so that became a running gag that it, they don't have man necks. It was great. Cause like, like they were like, Holy shit. We were not, they weren't thinking of of like breaking the rules. They got to the like, think outside the curriculum, you know. They, they yeah, got to like, right. yeah, and that was that was awesome. I'm like, I'm like, let's break the fucking rules. Like, who gives a shit? Like, just because this is how the like people are making like, like film movies on film. A lot of people shoot on those cameras. They don't even shoot raw. They just like they like they do. They shoot it 4K or whatever. Like they they're not, they're not using the camera to its potential. And let it be known that as amazing as they were, they contacted us, you know, about a month ago and said, oh, my gosh, it's, you're going to be in Tribeca. Do we need to get tickets? And 
And we said, well, we only have a certain amount of tickets and date. You know, there's a lot of press. There's a lot of people who need tickets. So you should probably just get tickets just to be sure. And they were like, cool. And they flew to Los, uh, flew to New York. And then they oh, were like, hey, we were stupid. We didn't get tickets on oh, the night no. on the night of the world premiere. And Dave goes, sorry, fucking idiots. And then yeah. we were walking the red carpet and they were waving at us under an umbrella as we went in. Yeah. Luckily, well, they got in the rush line and they were able to come in, but but there was no mercy. Dave was not going to allow them. <laughs> he was not going to show them any mercy. Thankfully, well, that's they how got you get your man neck. But what, yeah. <laughs> one more, one more geeky, one last geeky thing is yeah, yes. the coolest thing about shooting an eight K is the um, the monologue scene uh, with with Jeremy and Bria. That's fourteen minutes long and in one take. Yep. Uh, that is a shot that could not exist unless it was shot in 8K. And I said that I said that very early on before I even knew we had access to an 8K camera. I said, if we're going to pull this shot off, we might need to rent an 8K camera for a day. Um, and then we ended up with an 8K camera for the whole shoot. But uh, it's that shot slowly zooms in over the course of 10 minutes. Yeah, it fucking does. Well, let's 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 not make this one geeky aside. Let's fucking dig into you guys okay. shooting this 14-minute scene. Let's take it apart because I'm super interested in this. So the setup for the scene in the middle of the movie, um, Bria and Jeremy's characters uh, sort of have a heart-to-heart conversation, and it is set in the open doorway of the house, and they talk for 14 minutes, and there is no cuts in this. So let's let's talk about what it took to put that scene together. Well, you know... First off, it took uh, it took someone being willing to write me a fourteen minute dialogue scene uh, <laughs> yeah, that somehow that somehow survived every script note that was ever handed down over six years. I think to be fair, I think to be fair, it originally split locations like halfway through. Or no, something. it didn't. They like walked. They like walked from like a different place to never. No, you're sound. You sound like an idiot right now. It was always there. (laughs) They like moved a chair or something. No, the setup changed. No, no. She pulls the chair in. Okay, and then it starts. Like originally, she wasn't sitting in the doorway. In the script, she pulls the chair into the room, and that's how you realize, oh, she's with him. But then it just goes. Um, but aside from that, it was always in my mind like, okay. The way it's the script is set up, Abby is this dreamlike, she's either this dreamlike, like romanticized past, or she's a woman who left the protagonist. And I was like, it's either way, it's not fair to her. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's not fair to, to romanticize her. And it's not fair that she's the reason that the, the hero is sad. So I had always imagined giving her, you know, a, a moment to explain herself. And that moment became 14 minutes of moments. Um, it wasn't, by the way, it wasn't 14 minutes in our heads until the day we shot. Sure. We yeah, thought it was going to be like eight minutes. Yeah. Maybe. But I mean, it's, I think Just it's eight. like, I think it's like eight or nine pages of dialogue, but it's, you know, once you put in the, 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 the breath and the pauses and the life, it, you know, it stretches out. But so, uh, one of the amazing things, um, uh, Dave originally reached out to to Bria on our behalf uh, about this role mm. and asked if she was interested. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm totally interested. And he goes, great, we need you to audition. And she was really mad that she had to audition. Um, <laughs> so, she sent, so she sent us a video of a scene that we had requested of, of anybody auditioning. And then after that, she sent 
her doing that whole monologue, which we did oh, not ask for her to do. Uh, and, and it just, it sideswiped us. It was just, she was just so great. Yeah. She did it with no script. Yeah. Like she, she memorized the whole monologue for an audition video. Like, Damn. which is, it's batshit. Yeah. Me. She was like, if you're going to make me audition, fuck you. I'm going to, I'm going to audition the shit out of this. There were, there were audition videos where they, we had a two page scene and they didn't memorize it. They read it off page. She memorized the entire monologue for no reason. We didn't ask for it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So she, she knows how to, you know, uh, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. We get it, Bria. You really, yeah, you got it. You did it. <laughs> um, no, but she was just so amazing. She sideswiped us all. So we were like, okay, yeah, that's it. And then, but because she did that, like I, I had always wanted it. I had always envisioned it as a one, a one shot thing. I had this very like clear idea that, um, you know, throughout the movie, the, the front doors are like completely destroyed by this monster. And I always like this idea that when she comes home, she's like, can you fix the front doors? I don't want to have to explain the, why there's a bunch of scratches on the doors to everybody when they come over. So I had this idea of you, you finally, throughout this whole movie, once the third act starts, you see that there's brand new doors and then they open and and it's Hank and Abby for the first time sitting there together. And he's basically like, I'm going to prove to you that this monster exists. And we're going to sit here and wait till it comes. And because they're waiting for it to come, all of the shit that's been unsaid in their relationship for a decade starts to spill out. And um, we thought we would have to get traditional coverage on it. And then after the first take or two, Dave comes over and he's like, yeah, this is all going to be a wonder, right? And we're like, are you okay with that? And so we basically just ran it like 12 times. Um, and it was really intense. I mean, it was, you know, cause there's, there's nowhere to hide. I had the idea that the, that the doorway would be the proscenium arch. I wanted to very much feel like a theater scene. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, there, I mean, there was uh, I, after the third or fourth take, like Bria asked for a break and she, she went upstairs and collected herself because I think it, it hit home for her. Some of the stuff that was that, you know, that she was having to, to mine the depths of, but it was really just so invigorating. We cleared the front of the camera. There was we we got the crew out of our eye lines. There was nobody behind the camera. They just pushed record yeah. and walked away. It was the easiest day I ever had. <laughs> All I did, I set that camera up and yeah. and I got my entire crew the fuck out of there. Like we okay. set it up and we left. And it's just and it goes through, you know, the at first it's like kind of playful and she talks about the buck and then like, but if a bug flies in, you know, you got to react to the bug because there's no, it's not, Oh, we'll cut around the bug later. It's like, you're just in, there's something so invigorating and freeing about just looking at another actor in the eyes and, and, and knowing there's nowhere to hide. And she just fucking brought it. Um, so we did it like 12 times. It was like a whole night and, how do you how do you keep fresh for twelve takes? I mean, that's like three hours of real time. It, it was it was it wasn't even that. I mean, it was a whole night. I mean, it was it was yeah. it was like ten or eleven hours. Yeah, straight. take take some breaks to you know get some water, smoke a cigarette, come back. Let's because well, there's it. also there's but, also some takes where we just like we just immediately burn. We them. fucked up. Yeah, but so what it, it what it becomes is is like, all right, let's do this. Uh, let's figure out the beats. Let's figure out, you know, the waves it goes up and down because, you know, Hank starts off kind of goofy and then there's a moment where he just finally has to go, all right, where'd you go? 
you know, and then she's going to have to tell him where she went and then he's going to be mad about where she went and then she's going to have to explain why she did it. And so it's a, it's a very up and down scene. So, you know, the first couple takes, it's, it's about going, oh, okay, you know, that wasn't a great take, but I see where, where we were going with the emotional, like, throw, the through, Flow through through flarf. I yeah, think through, through flarf. <laughs> through, through flarf is the word. Um, yeah, that yeah, sounds right. Through flarf, and um, and then but then it just starts starts to coalesce, and you realize, oh, this is that moment where I do like. I mean, I remember there's a moment in there where I just randomly just started cocking the shotgun over and over and over again, mm. and she just like stop it, and like it was like it was. I know, just that's so what real. I knew. I that's what I knew that was going to be the take. Like when she starts to like nitpick you. Yeah. Off script, yeah. it's like I'm like, oh, this is going to be the take. And then there's, you know, there's in the script. It's she's talking about how you know you used to look at me like like you couldn't believe your luck, and now you hardly look at me at all. But like she threw in there, look at me, Hank, because I wasn't looking at her, mm. and it just kept at like these these little elements kept adding as we got more comfortable, as we like fell more into this this relationship. It just. I don't know. I mean, it's going to – there are a few people out there who are going to get to that moment and be like, oh, shit, the movie just stops dead. Yeah. And then there are people like us who – obviously because we made it, but I, I imagine there are people out there who have the similar sensibilities who are going to be like, holy shit. Like that yeah, was too sure. – that was too human. That. that was two human beings like alive. This, you know, I, I think I mentioned this after, after Brad and I watched it when we were talking about it, but like that scene – changed the whole experience of the movie for me like the like really in the middle of this small movie that you guys have made which is fucking phenomenal i love it this 14 minute scene just takes this from it's like a like a genre film about love and a relationship to something that's just fucking amazing yeah like what you and brie doing that is phenomenal Thank and it's you. and it's like arguably the smallest scene in the movie like it's yeah. like, it's not flashy in any way no and that's what makes it so fucking rad I yeah. mean, I don't. I I wouldn't say that we came close to it. But have you have you guys seen Steve McQueen's Hunger? Oh hell yeah! That fucking scene. You know that's you know that's uh, yeah profile of uh, you know of of those two talking. It's like Brutal. twenty minutes. It's twenty minutes. You don't even realize you're watching two guys talk for twenty minutes. It's because if the acting is there. Then it's, you know, look, I'm all about, I, I love editing. I love cuts. They, 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 they are the essential, you know, thing about cinema that makes it cinema is that you can cut, you can change time and transitions. You can change directions with, with cuts, but there is something very visceral about having to listen to two people talk to each other. And I think we, we, we got close to that on the battery but in, in our long take in the battery it's just one person waiting and mm -hmm. that that movie was about like time and about how there's you know there is no more schedules and so that it wasn't as dynamic because you're just watching somebody wait but this time you've got to watch two people bear their souls and figure out what they're doing in their lives and it wouldn't have worked if Bria wasn't on board and and Dave wasn't on board and because we, we always want to do that. We, we always want to, like, go, fuck it. But I think the thing that I'm most proud of is that it comes on the heels of, uh, uh, without being, again, too spoilery, it comes on the heels of one of the first aggressive moments of mm. horror mm -hmm. that, that the movie gives you. The, like, really on the nose, oh, fuck, what was that? 
And then instead of playing on that, we go, oh, no, 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 no. This isn't a monster movie. This is about a relationship. And then we make you, like, think about that for 14 minutes instead. And then, and then like, another eight. Yeah. And yeah. then, like, another three. Yeah. With, oh. the, with the uh I mean, karaoke. I can't think of a single moment in Jaws about the shark that I care about more than any other scene with the guys, you know? I yeah, just, sure. I can't. So fuck anybody who wants more monster and less Bria. Yeah. No, man, she was, she was great. Like I'm, you know, you guys making her audition. I don't know. I mean, if Bria (laughs) listens to this, I got to say like, if she, if she says she wants to do it, you should take her up on it. For the record, we didn't, we didn't say make her audition. It was, we have investors. They were like, we want to make sure, (laughs) we want to make sure we have all of the possibilities out there because they have money involved. Yeah. The investors made, she was always our first choice and everybody else's first choice, but we had to go through the money stooges are always fucking stuff up. I get it. Yeah, they it. want it. They just want to see everything. They want to envision it before they, before it, you know, they pay for it, which is, which it's fine. It's their money. Because basically, um, they were like, if you're gonna let Jeremy play the lead, we got to make sure we have all of our options open for the next guy, because <laughs> we could get, we could get, you know, Jesse Eisenberg maybe. Uh, but I will say, like, you know, like Bria. I think Bria. Bria was like, <laughs> Bria took like. I think Bria. Bria was like hurt by the fact that she had to audition, but at the same time. Like, she should feel really good that, like, her audition was so good. Also, I let mean, me just like, say, Bria. It was, Bria, like, no question when we saw it. If you don't love if you don't love Abby in this movie, the movie doesn't work. Bria Grant is Abby. She's amazing. I also gave her that monologue, and I said, look, I'm a man. I wrote this. If it's if it doesn't ring true to you, change it. And, and you know, she, it was hers. That role was hers. But let me also say, she's an actress. Fucking audition. That's your job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Her audition. Her audition made her look yeah, better. Yeah, she did. She fucking nailed it. Yeah, I, and like that's it. Like I'm. I, when, when I was you, just doing that in case she actually listens to this, so she'll know that I'm not only only just talking about how great she is. Also, you're an actress, <laughs> darling. You have to audition sometimes. <laughs> but also. I mean, but you won't have to audition for the next thing we cast you. No, no, she will not. And 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 we put her through fucking hell. I can't even fathom it. Well, like, yeah, because she's a vegetarian, and we put her in Leesburg, Florida. I think, <laughs> I think you have to eat palm fronds, like like and, and cigarette butts. There's there's no food. There were snakes falling out of the ceiling of the house we were in. I caught them all though. It's it, it was a fucking. It was a, there was no bathroom. I think one of I think one of our actresses like I was like sitting on the porch we were talking about shot in here, Jeremy, Jeremy, and she was coming out of one of the portalettes that we had because it's fucking Florida, and she goes, "There's a snake, there's a snake in front of my path," and I was like, "I'm on it," and it was like a three and a half foot yellow rat snake just sunning itself right outside the door of the porta potty. So we're talking glamour here, guys. We're talking about glamour. I put my wife. I was like, I told my wife, I was like. You could really help if you could just like anytime like you want to group up with the women and and drive to a bathroom <laughs> instead of the porta potty that hasn't been changed in two weeks oh. and there's been nothing but men shitting in it for and, two and weeks. Dave, and Dave just Dave just alternates between each one. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like 
I'm like, they're like, Bria's coming in today. And I was like, Dave, when's the porta potty get emptied? Bria's coming in today. I'm like, yeah, but when's that porta potty get emptied, man? Like, that porta potty's disgusting. Oh, she never went in there once. Yeah. Oh, no, my great. wife drove her. Yeah. But my wife, my wife wouldn't go into the porta potty. She was like, no fucking way. I would rather drive the two minutes to Walgreens. And I was like, Dave, why are you shitting in the other one? Can't we have one <laughs> for shit? And he goes, no, I already shit in that other one. I don't want to know. Like, I want- <laughs> And by, and by the way, you like know a porta potty like a bear. A porta potty in the sun in Florida. Like <laughs> yeah. it's 120 degrees inside that porta potty. It is insane. No good. But no that's good. what we put Bria. That's what we put Bria through. And that's and why it, she's and the it was greatest. literally like like <laughs> snake mating season. So there were these there were these yellow rat snakes who were crawling. Like they were they were they were chasing each other through the rafters of the porch deck. So you, we'd all be sitting outside talking and having a drink, and then you would look up and you'd hear like the scuttling, and you would see just like entwined mounds of snakes like chasing <laughs> each other through the rotting facade. And, and they the- release a musk. Oh, yeah. They release this, <laughs> and it smells like de- rotten bodies. We all release a musk. We, we thought there was a dead body <laughs> under the house, and it turned out it was snakes fucking. Like, like snakes smell that bad. It was disgusting. But see, I but see, all I wanted to do by, uh, before I ever became a filmmaker, my first uh, dream job. Like, if you look back at like fourth grade paper, it says snakeentologist because I didn't know that they were called herpetologists at the time. But I'm I've been uh, obsessed with snakes for a very long time. Um, so. It was just a dream for me, but everybody like Arvind, Arvind, one of our producers is from India and he was like, oh no, hell no. I ain't going near that. I'm like, <laughs> don't you have cobras in your shoes? Like, in- <laughs> and he said, no, nah, man, I got the AC cranking in Chennai. <laughs> well, I got to say, you know, as I, I grew up in, I grew up in Florida, I grew up in Panama city and you can, you could definitely feel Florida. On something else, you absolutely. I'm, I'm glad that was one of the things through. we were we were. I was really interested in is that you never see you never see Central Florida. Uh, on no, film. you don't. You don't see that like swampy redneck kind of South um, that I grew up in. And I will say also uh, to finish up on the snakes to keep in touch with Bria since we finished filming. Every I have set a Google alert for any news about snakes, and I will just. <laughs> Every day, just text her. Hey, did you hear about that fourteen foot python they found in a man's like prosthetic leg in Texas? And she's like, "Why are you sending me this?" And I'm like, "Just to keep in touch. Snake news tomorrow." <laughs> All right, that I, I I don't know where I thought the question was going to go as we dived into a wait. What question? <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah no, I guess it really wasn't. No, oh yeah, the fourteen minutes fucking yeah. Um, the, but no, I, guys, I will say, actually, you know what? Let me go back to that question. Cause fuck it. Um, one of the other, the, right, the 14 minute scene, no, the 14 minute oh. scene. So I just wanted to do a quick anecdote about that. Um, because every time I write, I write myself into every role. So we're sitting at Tribeca, um, after our world premiere and we're at this bar and I go next door with Dave to get, um, some food. There's this amazing Polish restaurant next door. And I'm sitting there having amazing kielbasa and pierogies. Everybody who works there is Polish. And Aaron Moorhead walks in. He goes, oh, my God, this is amazing. And I, and I start talking. I go, man, since I've been here, I've had pierogies, kielbasa. I had pho. I had ramen. I saw, and he starts laughing. He goes, you're doing the monologue? And I was like, oh, no, I didn't even realize. <laughs> I didn't even realize that, like, that, that is one of the things that, like, really, like, got to me 
is this idea of being stuck in a cultureless place. Um, yeah. And I didn't even realize that I was just like, like rhapsodizing about how much amazing food and culture I was being able to, to take in while I was in New York. And they're like, you're just saying the monologue. And I was like, no, I'm not. That's just how I feel all the time. Cause I'm in central Florida because Christian won't leave. I, I will never leave. You're gross. I'm the, I'm the worst. And I ate the worst food ever in New York one day, and yeah. I will never tell you what it was. I remember, I remember, this is true, Christian. I even tell you, when you were like, we're going to go to lunch, I was like, tell me where you end up. And I immediately went the other way, and I found a pho place where I had to stand on the side of a, like, and eat, like, noodle soup, like, standing up. Because I, I was like, he'll never eat noodle I soup standing up. I ended up in a up. Japanese restaurant. It was totally fucking reasonable. But I, I, ate, I ate one, one day, I ate the worst food. Like, you would, he would stabbed me to death right here because I wouldn't even eat it in Florida. Like, that's how bad it was. I didn't eat a single thing that you could get in America. Like, I mean, like in, in, in the South. I was like, nothing fried, no burgers, no chicken. It must be, it must all be ethnic. But we were also on, we were on like film festival time, which was, I would wake up in the morning and be like, I got to get food right now. Yep. We're going to mm -hmm. eat it because if we don't eat it, it, the drinking will start the second I walk out of my hotel yeah, room. Yeah. I was like, the second I walk out of there, Jeremy's going to be like, have this bottle of whiskey. And I'm like, where did that come from? Oh, Dave gave it to me. And like, I'm like, <laughs> yep. fuck. Right. So it just like, I feel like, it's like, it's like I was, I grew up a fat kid. So I feel like I have to immediately hoard food right in the morning so that, I can sustain the alcohol that is about to happen. See, I wake so up and one I go, morning I, I wake need a up. drink now. Yeah. No, see, yeah, exactly. That's my point. So Jeremy wakes up and goes, I want a drink. He will drink a drink before he eats food. Oof. That's the problem. Yeah, but you'll have six cigarettes before you eat oh, yeah. anything. And that oh, no, makes me that. puke in my mouth right now. So I just, <laughs> I just tried to make sure that I ate something every day. So one morning at Tribeca, I ate a Subway sandwich and it no. was the worst fucking thing <laughs> I have eaten in years. It was the worst. You guys have to cut this out of the podcast. If anybody knows that, the director oh of this God. film went to a Subway sandwich shop in New York City. <laughs> We're a, fucking done. It was We're a done. Sunday morning at 10 a.m. I could not find a fucking thing open. I just wanted Chinese food. That's all I wanted. I you, could not find gonna, anything open. And I finally gave up and said, I'm getting a Subway sandwich. And then, by the way, it was All you have to do decision. is walk outside, wait for someone to ride by on a bike, slap them off the bike and go, find me food. Like, it was the that's worst. how it works. Christian, was it a BMT? Was it a meatball? It was, what was, a, fucking, it was a fucking cold cut combo or whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. And by the way, and by the way, it wasn't even cheap. It cost like twenty four dollars for two sandwiches. That fucking Subway in the middle of New York, like they could go fuck themselves. This is legitimately the end of our friendship right it's, now. It was the worst. I felt I was eating in shame in my hotel it's, room. It's so funny how much we've gone through our whole like a twenty plus year friendship. But how you didn't tell me that, and I was texting my girlfriend, being like. Christian and Elise, we're going to go somewhere for lunch, and I need spicy noodle soup. I need to slurp it. And I was like, Christian hates soupy things. And I'm going to stand. I was standing shoulder to shoulder with businessmen in the in the in the financial district, just slurping noodles and uh. just drinking hot broth. And I was like, Christian would never come here. I'm telling you, and it's a like, Sunday morning. Subway. It's a Sunday. <laughs> it was a Sunday morning. It was 10 a.m. I woke up early. It's a city that never sleeps, dude. It was it was bad. It was the financial district at 10 a.m. I'm telling. You, I promise you, because I walked 
two miles. I'm gonna. I want to. I want you to put out to your listeners, anybody in New York who who knows the financial district, find anything other than Subway to eat <laughs> on a Sunday morning, and then berate Christian about it. I. I, I would. It's fine. <laughs> It's all right, fine. It's all right, all right, all right, all right. I am fine. sad for you both. We've gone off track. I was going to go to McDonald's. Like, I should have. I was also trying to find something that would be cheap, but Jesus Christ, it was the worst. I think, I think this is a perfect encapsulation of what it means to be an independent filmmaker in America today. This is great. This is absolutely great. Um, <clears throat> but I guess we're hitting about an hour on our conversation. And so I was thinking about God, wrapping it, it up. Like five. Shut <laughs> <laughs> uh, But so, you know, uh, Christian ha- has come on uh, before, and uh, I don't know if he'll remember this question or not. Um, but, you know, we've had, uh, since that interview with Christian, uh, been very blessed to interview a lot of independent filmmakers. And I, I think the through line uh, for everyone is that it's it's really, really fucking hard uh, to make a movie. And I think you, you guys, uh, as much as any of the other indie filmmakers out there, absolutely understand that. And so what we like to end these conversations on is, you know, in, in this experience with something else, you know, or in your careers in general, is there a single moment that you will look back on at this process to kind of buoy you through low times in the future? I'm going to look back on that time I was eating Subway, you know, you know, 400. It was a uh, $400 a night hotel room uh, with awesome. golden walls that, that Tribeca filmed, uh, that Tribeca paid for. Um, and then I felt completely out of place uh, uh, inside. And I, uh, I said, oh, my God. Like Jeremy, if he ever knew about this, he would never forgive me. And now he knows. So now it's like I'm gonna know this. I forgive it. you, baby. I forgive oh, you. Yeah, good. I'm gonna. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna try to truncate the entire journey here. Um, I made movies with my buddies when I was in high school. We made stupid Beanie Baby movies and Killer Furby movies and Pikachu movies just because it was fun. And then I was like, wait, wouldn't this be great if we could do this for real? So then I started listening to every interview I could ever find with a filmmaker and screenwriters and watching every single DVD extra I ever could because I couldn't afford to go to film school. So I just wanted to listen to how everybody else had done it and all their stories are different, but there's always some piece of information that overlaps that you can slowly realize, oh, this is a part of the process. And then read every screenplay you could possibly ever get your hands on and understand why. Understand the rules, then break the rules. Then understand your limitations and write a script, but know that you can't get a spaceship, write a movie about a treehouse instead. And then, but but still make it important to you. Then surround yourself with people who care about you, who have the same, same goals. And then you can go out and make something. And then you get it into one film festival. When you go to that film festival, you're going to meet other people who also had the same through line. They tried to make a movie. They finally got to this point and they are happy to talk to other people who have done the same thing. And then you will start to build a network and then you will bounce ideas off each other and you will start this creative competition where you go, Oh man, did you see what they did? We got to do something better. And then you slowly, and now it's like, I can call like see Robert Cargill and be like, I'm stuck in my script. Like, why should I have that ability? Mm -hmm. And it's from, Doing the work, trying really hard, taking a lot of time, getting good people that you care about who care about you, fucking caring about making movies, and then getting them out there. Festivals are so important. Festivals are so important in networking. Networking is hard. But once you meet people who actually like the same shit as you do, it just gets easier. It slowly gets easier. 
like Dave is gonna give us all the money forever, right, Christian? Oh, I, is he? <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it. <laughs> Care about the stuff, learn as much as you can, and then do it within your means. Don't spend one hundred and twenty thousand dollars on a twelve-minute short. It's not gonna work. Like you know, like figure out how to tell a story that you want to tell in a means that is remotely marketable and 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 it's not going to break the bank. When I made the battery, I said I don't want to ask anybody for any more money that they would feel comfortable gambling on one night at a casino uh, because I don't want people to lose money for this, but I want them to be proud of it. Um and now I'm sitting here in Central Florida. I mean, this is literally the king's seat of the world and I'm at the place where I serve beer to people. And this, I've truly made it. I've truly made it. <laughs> By the way, barkeep, I need another beer. I yeah, know Christian's out cool. of beer. And all I could think as I'm telling, t- saying all that bullshit is, oh man, he's got an empty beer and my job is to fill it. <laughs> I, I, what I, what I will say just to kind of close out the conversation is, um, guys, I stumbled upon the battery, uh, when I was in, uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee with my family, my wife's family, and I was hiding from them and I, found it randomly on Amazon Prime. That's how most people find it. It is. It it really, really is. Um, But I fell in love with it. And to have seen something else at Tribeca and what you guys have been able to turn out, I am so immensely happy for the both of you to have, you know, found the opportunity to make this movie and to have linked up with such wonderful people. We, we love Dave and Justin and Aaron. I, I think they're awesome. And I, I just, I, I wish you the best of luck as, as you go forward uh, because you deserve whatever success comes your way. Yeah. I also like them, Billy. Shut up, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> I also think uh, it would be like maybe just a little bit of, of douchey marketing thing. Uh, I should say, there is a monster in something else. I think we should say that there is a monster. There's a practical fucking monster. Sure. A super uh, rad one. Yeah, it actually is a super fucking rad monster. Uh, yeah. Which, by the way, the there's a jump scare. Uh, well, there's there's a there's a, a, a sudden violent event that happens towards the end of the movie. My, my wife literally jumped out of her it, seat it, when that happened. That, so that's like, been there's blowing fucking our monsters minds. and shit in this. Yeah, that's been blowing our minds, actually, is like how effective that shit was, because that shit doesn't work on us because we made it, I guess. I, I think I think that I think that speaks volumes to what, what we're trying to do though is like we got i mean uh, todd masters and masters effects uh they did the demons and demon knight which is one of my favorite movies of all time yes and they they fucking made our goddamn fucking practical monster and it's incredible and here we sat talking about the friends we've made and the romance (laughs) that's but that's but that's because that that like that that's what i mean is like the shark in jaws was a goddamn miracle but it, it that movie doesn't live and die on that and i and i'm so happy about our monster and it's amazing in that the payoff that you really get a practical monster in this movie i'm so fucking happy about but we we've made a movie about commitment and no, relationships and it's funny that we had to go oh wait yeah also there's yeah, a fucking I, awesome monster i just felt i was like i was like I think I should mention that there's a monster just because we did talk about romance and relationships for so long. And I think that we might've just turned a whole lot of people off actually. Well, I mean, even though it would not like it's, that's our kind of fucking thing. It would turn us on. Do you guys want to start the um, scene by scene breakdown of Notting Hill now? Cause I'm ready. <laughs> yes. No, what I want is a McFarland toys action figure of the something else monster. Like mm. it demands to be molded into plastic. I need it on my, 
my desk. Uh, and then I'm going to come on it because that sounds amazing. Please. Please. <laughs> I get more points on eBay for it. We have points? like, we have like CGI renderings of it that like look – because it wasn't in CGI. But I mean like before they molded it, we have like CGI renderings and they look like action figures. It's, it's awesome. Oh, I want them. We should make I that happen. St- I stole the arm. Yeah, he has the arm. I stole the, so they 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 sent us uh, an arm to put through the hole in the door before the actors got there with the full suit, and they forgot to take the arm. So I have a giant monster arm hanging on my wall awesome. now. It's amazing. <laughs> nice, I love it. But uh, yeah, no, we couldn't be more thankful to you guys. I mean, you're super supportive. You're really fun. We talked about eating ass like the last time we talked, and you guys were not not douches about that you're you go with the <laughs> uh, flow you go with the flow and you're 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 really your questions are fucking insightful and they make me think about what we did and i'm drinking beer uh-huh. and that's that, that makes me even more emotional so i gotta stop because yeah. i'm yeah. gonna start crying or something like my cat <laughs> sometimes has diarrhea and i think he's dying and it scares me and he's like young you know so i don't want to get into it <laughs> well, thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Christian. We really do appreciate the conversation. We're massive fans. We want as many people as possible to watch your movies. We're and excited I, for something else to get out there and be exposed to the genre crowd. I think they're going to eat it up. Yeah, and I think I think that ended on a totally normal note too. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, nothing totally weird. Normal. Nothing yeah. weird came out of Jeremy's mouth. No, you know, it's like no, when you when you switch up their out. food, you have to like mix it like slowly. If you just switch the food too quickly, then it upsets their stomachs. Cats have a very, very specific like you know digestion. No, they do. I mean, they, they need a lot of protein, and they're and especially male cats, they're prone to not getting enough water. So if they eat a lot of crunchy food, then they get the crystals, and then they have fucking urinary tract infections. They can die hey, very quickly. I'm really worried about my tract cats. infections. This is the podcast, it's, right? It's cat. It's cat. It's cat talk. It's it's the podcast. <laughs> I mean, there, it's, it's the podcast. Yes. I get it. Um, the podcast is pretty sad. I mean, it's funny. I'm making a joke, but I'm also serious. And also, like, all that talk about the cat in the movie is not because I don't have two cats that I care way too much about. Um, what's Where's the movie going uh, after Tribeca? Does it does it have a, a festival say, future? Think, what's the plan? Uh, I think the king is going to watch it next. Um, okay. The king and queen of the world are going to watch it, and then they're going to tell us. Uh, no, we actually, uh, it's it's going to, I think it's going to do the festival route. We're uh, still working on, uh, I think they're, we're out of the sales loop, so we don't know what's going oh, on I with gotcha, that. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But we do know what our international, um, are we allowed I think, to say? No, I, say, I, mean, I think we know what our international premiere is going to be but we can't we're we can't not allowed reveal to, it yet. yeah we're not allowed to say the festival okay well when festival we stuff. stop the podcast then you'll just tell us so brad and i can and you might we'll know that. it or not i don't know i think it's going to play at the subway in the financial district mm-hmm. oh i hear yeah, yeah yeah i hear that was by direct recommendation of christian yes uh, exactly after eating there this yeah, seems like gonna, a high-end place they're gonna, we should show they're a gonna project it onto a smushed wall of bread <laughs> Um, where can people come and find you guys on the social medias to talk about urinary tract infections and the process for weaning cats into different brands? You of know food? what? And please do t- tell me what you're doing with your male cats. My cat's young. He shouldn't be dealing with all this stuff. Uh, no, at Mr. Jeremy Gardner on Instagram and Twitter and fuck Facebook. I'm not on that shit. Uh, I, yeah, I'm at Christian Stella on uh, Twitter and 
I think that's it. And Instagram. Am I the same on Instagram? I think so. But I he doesn't have a mister yet. He hasn't been knighted by yeah, me. Yeah, what's up with that? You, you gotta uh, it's just that I'm, I'm early to the party. He's late to the party. Yeah, I, I was like, Jeremy Gardner. They're like, nope. And I was like, all right, Mr. Jeremy Gardner. <laughs> They're like, nope. There's already a Bitcoin millionaire with that name. It's M-R, Jeremy Gardner, not M-I-S-T-E-R, by the way. All right. Uh, well, great, guys. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for uh, all of your time. Uh, we absolutely love what you do, and uh, we can't wait to see where something else goes from here. So thanks for coming out. Thank you. It's such a pleasure, guys. Appreciate it. And there you go. Uh, another great conversation in the bag. I Man, I love talking to those guys. They're just a blast. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Clearly. We were having a good time. Uh, I don't know. You know, I think the thing that is the most awesome about Christian and Jeremy is that, you know, um, they, they, they do have a lot of coarse humor. And, uh, you know, if that's not your thing, okay. But they very much open themselves up. And I think that the insight that they give to their feelings and the experiences that they had uh, as filmmakers on this process are very genuine. And I think worth hearing to all the other folks who are thinking about pursuing indie filmmaking. I could talk to them about that 8K camera setup all day long. Absolutely. So cool. Yeah. I loved it. Uh, next week, we've got Cameron Yates, the documentarian behind the film Chef Flynn. We uh, went out to the Alamo Draft House in Winchester, Virginia to talk to him up in the projection booth. Um, the film is available right now on Amazon uh, for rent. It's like $2.99, $3.99, something like that. Come on, guys. Support movies. Support movies. Uh, if you don't have the Alamo Winchester near you, I guess you can settle for VOD. Uh, but the film will play on your TV, no problem. It's a fascinating story about this kid who kicks off this culinary movement uh, in his home. It's really, really interesting, and I highly recommend it. So, Billy, where can our listeners find you online? Uh, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Letterboxd at WBDAS, uh, and you can also find me at Bill and Claire's Excellent Adventures, which is a podcast project I'm doing with my nine-year-old daughter, where we work together to expand her cinematic horizons. Uh, you can find that on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at B-A-C-E-A Podcast. And where can people find you? I remember how to be a host. I just don't get to do it that often. I usually hog the mic. <laughs> you hog the mic. My daughter hogs the mic when I podcast <laughs> with her. I'm literally never a host, so it's it's shocking to me to be in this chair. Brad, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on all social medias at MouthDork, but be sure to follow our other dorks, Darren Smith at the Disco Dork, Brian Young at the Turtle Dork, and Lisa Gullickson at Sidewalk Siren. Of course, you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, all those special places at ItModcast. And uh, on Apple Podcasts, why don't you leave us a review? We could use a few of those in this channel. Yeah, it would be super helpful. It's exactly the kind of help that only listeners like you can provide. Yeah, so thanks for being with us, and uh, thanks for putting out a, re a review on iTunes, because yeah. now I'm holding you accountable. And we'll shout you out next time. Yeah. We'll also shout you out if you don't review. Ooh. Oh, no. Do we have that ability? No, we don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I guess until next time, Billy. Until next time. Take care. Visions are worth fighting for. Why spend your life making someone else's dreams 